the Podjectivity Network. Love, honor, obey. America. God, country, Packers. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. America. And to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty. And everyone, by the way, thought it was invisible. Yes, right. Invisible. Mm. Liberty and justice for all. This is going to take, this is going to be one hell of an editing trick Amen. to make this all come together. She's, she can do it. You know she can. We're going to have to really count on the listener and their attention span here. Uh, your vows, you don't identify as an American. I don't think I do. Where we come from. We were talking about marriage before. And I had a note to myself, history of marriage, but I think I'll just skip all that and say, the kind of house I grew up in, a very God-driven marriage. My dad converted to Catholicism for my mom. He was born kind of without anything. Probably Baptist, I guess, would be northern Indiana. One of those uh, sort of meaningless but heavily symbolic sort of power plays that that happened in my, my parents' marriage as well. Like, it, it was a huge victory for my mom, I think, that oh. she got him to convert to oh, really? her... He converted from what to what Lutheran to Catholicism. He did fucking Catholics. He did. But our, so I grew up in a household of, and in a household of a marriage like that, that it is a covenant with God. It comes from God. Yeah. yeah, And I guess I can't help but do a little bit of what I had in mind with the history of marriage, which is like shooting from the hip. As far as I know, Marriage is a civil uh, enterprise, a, a civil statute, if you will. You know, it it it's uh, happens at the courthouse or it's you know, contract. It's, yeah, it's a con. Yes, it's a contract. It's filed at the courthouse. It is a secular act, but it has this legal religious but, but, overtone yeah, for all of time. It has, mm-hmm. and my read on that is that somebody told me or maybe everybody knows this, I don't know, Uh, that just the whole idea of marriage, the whole concept of marriage is so that the more people who are married, the less of a social safety net you need. Now, I'm talking about 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 500 years ago. Like, when there was no such thing as a social safety net, marriage was a tool to not be destitute. A tool to sure to progress. Make sure the support network prosperity. Yeah. A tool of prosperity. You, everybody made their own network, uh, social network, uh, support network. You could uh, procreate, and then someone went to work. Someone raised the kids. Great system. And take it five hundred years ago or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, uh, monarchy times when God gets injected into everything. It well, becomes a holy mandate. So when government and clergy are kind of one and the same, they're both two doors on the same hallway. Like, yeah, the one is is twisting your arm like you pair up because that's how we don't have to support you. Yeah. And you have to work to fill our silo. Right. Like 
and I get like half of your sheep and half of your everything, and you get to keep enough to like stay alive. And and then and the clergy of, are right there to be like, and you thank God for everything you have living mm-hmm. in your dirty hut and blah blah blah. When there was no point to life, there had to be something. You had to be pro- okay. Why? Why so, are we enduring all this suffering? Oh, it's God. Uh, there's a reason, and that worked yeah. for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. And then it isn't all that long ago that we kind of lost that and didn't need it anymore. Yeah, because like prosperity comes from where does it come from? Advert- Hard work, advertisements, uh, advertisements, commercialism, America, yeah, uh, connections, capitalism. Uh, uh, That's uh, a lot uh, less cynical. Yes, Ca- so, connection. <laughs> the point. Of, the the point of all that that. Uh, the God-imposed legal contract that keeps you, that produces your own social network and the kind of household I grew up in it, with a marriage like that, that as I've, you know, my mom is straight out of the Bible. Yeah. Obey. Yeah. Uh, honoring the man's role of like making all the decisions and you go along with it. And your role is to cook and clean and keep a house and raise kids and so on. Um, and she's happy with that. I, we could do a pot about that. How happy there's no other way for her. She can't even conceive of another way in a certain, Cause all the stuff she sees out there is so wrong. Sure. And so, okay. in a, in, in like in a certain sense, there is a little, it's like a little relief of like, Oh, I don't have to think about what I want to be out there. Sure. I know my role in here and that is what I will focus and on. And where I was relating this was the neighborhoods that we grew up in. You described your small town, the store, whatever. I grew up in a neighborhood like that. The church was everything. Those relationships with those neighbors, those emulated marriage for us, especially in our church community. Like when anyone in that church had a problem, their well went out, their furnace went out, their whatever happened, somebody was sick, everybody rallied all the time. Hmm. You helped. You made meals. You Car breaks down, you're given rides. Through the church. Somebody gets sick, you're visiting them in the hospital. No, not even through the church. Not through the I church. I mean, no, reinforced, reinforced through the church. And then prayers would be offered up for them in the service. And yeah, it was, no. you know, things like that would happen. But everybody this, knew before it was mentioned at church. Okay. Know, was like, this Got was it. way of life. Got it. Our relationship Interesting. With, with many of our neighbors was like a marriage. We put up with them through good times and bad. Oh, we had disagreements. Okay. And but yet we we stayed together. Interesting. And that's an old world aesthetic. Is that the right word? That's an old world way Perfect. of living. Yeah. Where we were right on the fringe of that. Like those my folks and all those that big family and some of the families around there. They're just like one generation removed from like breaking say. soil with a horse and a plow. Well, and also and, immigration. And it depended, survival depended yeah. on community. We were just one hmm. thin generation away from that. That all of the, the neighbors but were, yeah, at the most. were all the kids of one patriarch and matriarch who had like 14 kids and staked them all to different farms. They kicked them all out of the house when they were in like eighth grade and they just farmed and worked hmm. and... And it was for survival. And that generation saw the transition from that to sort of ease, you know. Oh, like you have plumbing in your farm house. Farm equipment. Good for you. Plumbing. Electricity. <laughs> nice, fancy electric lights. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
and that is gone. So when you had in mo- in many places, in most places, like DeForest, yeah, uh, I can't really comment on Deerfield too much because I'm not a huge community guy. We've got a Lutheran church. Lutherans are big out by us. There's Interesting a, when you say that you're not a huge community guy and you're yeah. not complaining about the dissonance of it like I am. Not to say that I don't like where I live. I'm just honestly conflicted about it because I have experienced an alternative. I, and, and I, as have I. And I do grieve on some level for the way that, you know, as much as I try and be a this is a loaded term, but don't take it politically like a progressive thinker and thinking mm. ahead and and being curious about evolution and hoping and trying to be optimistic that we're moving in a positive direction, at least generally, you know, to see uh, my my uncle wrote a song about the that go that starts. There is a dying little town. There is a way of life that's falling to the ground. Mm. Uh and the tragedy of that is that, but there are memories to last for centuries, and there he was reflecting kind of warmly on what it felt like to be embraced by a whole community on some level. And even if the downside or the dark side of that is you feel misunderstood, you'd feel like, you know... If you're gay, for instance, where mm-hmm. we grew up, not an option. Not great. Yeah. You know, there's there's a number of things that you could point to, but it's in, well. This makes me think of. I feel I'm starting to understand a little more through my ancestry. My grandmother was very Catholic, and she married. She was going to be a nun, but she felt that God wanted her to be a mother, and she married my grandfather who had 16 brothers and sisters did she have that feeling particularly in the loins <laughs> it was central to the area not so much here her- not so much here <laughs> right here i'm getting that feeling jesus is speaking to me through my genitals okay nice and sounds hot for her... That is, isn't it? The whole non-fantasy... Account. So, 16, 16 Irish Catholic brothers and sisters. Is Ma- that all? Many of them were men, <laughs> and many of them were alcoholics. So, she lived in a home with my grandfather and her six children, and would have um, her husband's father, who was senile, stay with them, and then multiple brothers at various times who would get drunk to the point where they would have to like go fish them from the gutter. So wow. I think what trickled down to me was community is great, but in a situation like hers, it stole her life away uh-huh. because she right. was at the mercy of and the, the internet didn't come in her lifetime. So uh, right of the ma- of the family she married into. And what she had about to deal with. Right victim, now, of her, victim of her era. Just right, but also that connection. You're expected to be loyal to your husband. You're expected mm-hmm. to be welcoming to his family, to his brothers. If they need a place to stay, they stay with you. If they, if they need support and you need to put some of your paycheck to them, that's where it goes. It's sort of like, I love hearing your guys' uh, take on how nourishing and 
wonderful community, how fortifying it is. Uh-huh. And I think ultimately my mom moved all the way to California to get away from sort of that like family mentality, just initially break free and then lived in Illinois when the rest of her family lived in Michigan. So it was kind of like um, a breaking of community to try to break some of those dysfunctional patterns that can happen when the community isn't lifting you up. It's actually bringing you down. So it's nice for me to hear from you guys that the communities that you lived in, it was sort of like, yeah, they had their issues, but we were there for each other. Mm-hmm. And very much. Yeah. Don't think about that very often. Not, yeah. only, not, yeah. only, not only were we there for each other, but when I think about the spirit of like the way that my, my parents related to people, when I was talking about like, well, at least they made the appearance of being friendly. Mm-hmm. I think there was, you know, the expectation that you are warm and you are friendly. Maybe one of the other things that was good about a small community is that as wonderful as it is to meet new people, and Ani DeFranco has some line that always stuck with me. It's like strangers are exciting. Their mystery never ends. Uh. But there's nothing like looking at your own history in the faces of your friends. Mm-hmm. And familiarity. And seeing that same face, the guy who volunteers as the baseball coach and teaches me how to play baseball is the grocer's son and he's at the grocery store taking care of the family business too and he's here and he's here and both times that I see him he treats me like I'm his nephew or something and I was listening to Dax Shepard's podcast armchair expert I don't know if any of our listeners have heard of it. It's like number one in the podcast charts in, in America. <laughs> Just so under I, solving I wanted everything. To give them right behind plug. solving everything. I wanted to give <laughs> them the a plug because Network. I think it give give them a little boost. Um, but <laughs> you're welcome, Dax. Yeah, they'll notice. You're welcome, Dax. <laughs> but who are they talking to? Dax. But but he was talking about how when his children are whining about things. He tries to be empathetic up to a point, but then he he has to tell them, hey, just so you know, I'm the only person who cares about your problems or really about you at all. <laughs> like when you leave this house, Sorry, you know, it, it, he was joking. Yeah, right. And they I were laughing, but it's. It's it speaks, I think, very directly to this point that we're making that in the kinds of communities that Dan and I grew up in, the guy who was coaching my baseball team, who I saw at the grocery store, had this other point of reference of hanging out with me and spending time with me. And he actually did. He was invested on some level so that I was greeted by him when I came in to that store in a in a in a personal warm kind of way that just doesn't exist outside of that environment Mm -hmm. maybe you get that from your family and then that's the kind of appreciation that i've developed for my family despite all the problems that you see with your family members and how sticky family dynamics and all that can get like i've come to a point where i appreciate that i don't get the kind of warm reception that i hear 
and I mean, my mom's side is pretty animated, so that's just that's a whole other thing. But just the 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 outpouring of love and you know happiness that I come into a room for a gathering or whatever in that place. When you're a kid, you take that for granted, mm-hmm. and you just think, "Oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be celebrated everywhere I go." But no, actually, <laughs> you're not. Mm-hmm. And that's special, and that's rare, you know. And I'll jump right to it and say, "What? Uh, hey, whoa, whoa! Let's welcome my mom to the podcast, <laughs> Mary Higgs." Everybody, <laughs> wow. hey, Mary. Oh, Mary! You don't drive at night. What are you doing here? <laughs> Sitting at this table, my mom would say that the Parkland shooting and the grisly murder that happened next door to you mm-hmm. is because of the breakdown of that. Ah. And she's got a case. I would not disagree. Because people had shared values. Mm-hmm. And your baseball coach, part of what kept him from not going AWOL was responsibility to the family business, to all the people in the community, his his appearance. I don't know if that's good or bad, but in my neighborhood, your neighborhood, the same thing. Like when you did, because all kids are stupid and do dumb things, and Dax Shepard is right. Nobody fucking cares, man. You, you They got to hear it. They hear so much that they're special all the time. No, you're not. That all ends real soon and abruptly. You are. Uh yeah, we both think you're special. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Dan. You're that, uh, Everyone's special. And I... God's honest. That is that is part of what I fled when I fled the community. Was like, I just want to be fucking anonymous. Like, yeah. I just... I don't want everyone to know my every move. Right. And I don't want to be accountable. I don't want what I do at night... You know, like I got in trouble a few times, you to know, be gossip fodder and yeah, yeah and, and to be judged and to like be I have to be embarrassed every like. So let's uh, I drank at lunch uh, mm-hmm. when I was a junior and uh, probably told talked about it when we talked about coaches, Coach mm-hmm. Niederhauser. Yeah, right. Um, so you, you do something like that with your friends and you get in trouble. Well, not only do you get in trouble at school, but everybody fucking knows about it. Right. Everybody at church knows about it then. So now not only have you gotten in trouble, but now certain members of the community are giving you like the... You're wearing you know, a scarlet letter. You've got to pray. And, you know, you uh, they wouldn't say like God's ashamed of you or whatever, but it's like you've got some work to do. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, I, that was part of what I was fleeing was just like, that everybody knows everything about everybody's everything around here. Mm-hmm. There's no escape. And so that was, so uh, that's part of what I was fleeing and to just go out in the world and be anonymous. Just uh, so right. that when I close the door, man, nobody fucking knows who I am. And, right. and it's you're the accountable whole, to yourself. It's the tension, accountable to myself. It's yeah. the tension between privacy and connection. Like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. There's gotta be a give and take. And if you go too far in in either extreme, you're off balance, you know. I remember one time I was, I had quit gymnastics, so this must have been junior year. But I was there watching a meet because I wanted to see how my previous, like, teammates were doing. But I was, my parents had already gotten divorced. 
And so I was really angsty and angry and I was starting to smoke cigarettes. Like afraid of what people thought of that or just like, or just so kind of. Nobody was divorced in my immediate community. So it was really weird. I felt like no one understood what I was going through. Just kind of angry. But I would like go in my car and like smoke cigarettes and. Cools. No, I think they were um, cools. She's not that tough. (laughs) Please. I think they were like parliaments or... Mm, that's respectable. Later it was Marlboros, but I think at that point, mm, parliaments. But we're not talking like Virginia Slims or something like that. Like, no, I don't think so. Okay. Unless... Lady cigarettes. Capris. <laughs> Capris. Oh my God. That does sound familiar, but I don't know. I, I don't even know. how. I couldn't buy cigarettes back. I don't even know. How but anyways, I'd smoke cigarettes. Smokes. Then I would come. Um, I remember coming up the bleachers sit and like had to go sit like with some of my friends and I had to walk past the parents and they all like laughed at me because I smelled like smoke oh geez and I could hear them sort of like twittering and giggling and I know exactly what you're describing based on that that one experience of like imprinted can I just have a fucking second to where where everybody doesn't know me yeah yes can I just be unseen for a second? Yeah, I had a cigarette in my car and I'm 16 and I'm not supposed to do that. And everybody can see that I did. And you're all fucking worked up about it. Oh, Don't yeah. Don't you have anything yeah. else to care about? <laughs> right. Jesus. Yes. So maybe it's just that nugget of like where you're coming into yourself as an individual between like age 14 and 22 where you're like, get me the fuck out out of this community but then when you start having kids and everything you're like oh god community would be really great How, uh, where can i find a village it has come back to haunt at times yeah it <laughs> yeah. really has well i, I mean, kind of agree with your mom and it really helped me understand church better as i got older oh, like sure, sure. i had a certain view of it when i was 14 could someone please help me with this discipline thing yeah and then a oh, certain and then i had a certain view when i was 22 and then i had a certain view when i was 31 but I've softened over the years to understand that, like, to understand what it's for. I'm still not into it, but I understood at least, like, what it's for. And it is a tough line. Like, on the one extreme end, you've got medieval times where you were living in your own filth and whatever. And all you had was each other. And because God said so and so on. All the way up the spectrum to, like, our youth when that was just the last kind of remnant of that was you know still hanging on that level of community that all-encompassing everybody knows everything everybody knows each other there's no escape it's just it can go too far you it's nice to have but you got to have your privacy too you can't be that involved and well do you think do you agree with your mom that the lack of that community creates dysfunction or do you think it was just that, like with the double murder, it's just that one guy. It's his problem and his alone. It's for that person alone. I'm, I would hate to speak for a murderer, but. And knowing. As allegedly. We, knowing, yeah, as little as we know. But hit, we've all got some semblance of community. Mm-hmm. Like during the pan, during the lockdown which I'd be happy to rail against, but not right now. I counted my lucky stars every fucking minute of that. 
and told everyone in the house to do the same because at least you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we all don't get along all the time, but there's always somebody here though. There's all, there's always somebody to hang out with. Yeah. So you're never alone. And if there's no other person there, you've got six dogs that you can. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And you can, you you can nuzzle up to one of our three dogs. (laughs) So being alone is, is what you want to avoid. Well, so a person like uh, our unfortunate neighbor that appears to have double murdered his parents and one has not been found yet, he is he lost all of it. Uh, he so too much community is suffocating. Yes, a little bit of community is nice. Mm-hmm. Some people you identify with, some people who can help you if things go wrong. Mm-hmm. This person. People at you least can serve as well. The whole the, the the give and take of that. What's beneficial about having someone that you can get outside yourself? Feeling Whether or not it was true, I'm going to speculate that he at least felt like mm-hmm. there was nothing. He he was in the void. Not valued. Not valuable. That poor. I mm-hmm. hope we find out what happened somehow. But I would and the someone who shoots up a school, a teenager. Was it what was Parkland? A teenager. I don't remember an adult the detail there. Yeah. You know, when that happens, when somebody snaps that hard, they have, they, and this, you know, this sounds like, I don't even know what this comes across like, but I'm making a huge generalization, but you, you obviously feel like nobody gets you, or you obviously feel like you have nowhere to go when you turn to murdering your parents. Or mm-hmm. murdering anybody for fuck's sake, but especially that a level. Big violence murdering your fucking parents though is a, and maybe they were abusive or something or who knows what. But, but maybe you don't murder them if you have a better network, if you've got some friends, you've got hobbies or something. I'm just so we're trying to make a case for this old world, like my mom would say, like, well, these things happen because breakdown of uh, God and family. God and family in the larger community. She's got a point also. there. She does have a point. Well, I'm thinking about what you guys are talking about with like farming communities, for instance, and how. So let's say that someone that really snaps doesn't feel valued and they don't feel valuable and they feel like their contribution doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. They're just worthless and invisible. And who cares if you're living in like a farm community and it is like one neighbor helps another. If someone has like Andy at times has described if um, there was a farming couple and like the, the dad died and the woman needed help bringing the crop in or whatever. Yeah. 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 All the farmers would rally around, the farmers would rally around and like assist and help. And every hand, every single hand mattered, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So if you're a kid and your dad's like, Hey, we need, Hey, we need to move this. Hey, and, Every single hand matters. Every hour that you work matters because we're only going to get it done together. And if you leave, we'll be here for six more hours. But if you're here, we'll only be here for two. You know what I think? You know what I think? That is like value. Well, well, more more importantly, we've used the term, or I've heard you use this before. Certainly wasn't in my dad's lexicon, but love languages. The way that love is expressed and communicated in a community like that, that was mm. very male, you know, uh, centric, driven, whatever you want to call it, macho dudes. Farmers are not, 
notorious or known for their expressiveness and yeah. you know they're not doing podcasts they're <laughs> about yeah, their feelings they're not on <laughs> they don't they're not into oprah uh you know it's it's that but but the eagerness to you know work was paramount work was the ethic and when you could aim that at somebody who needed help and show them that you cared about them through your labor donate your labor and work that was that was as good as saying i'm sorry about what you're going through well that's and like food at a funeral when mm-hmm. you sure, know someone sure, important to you dies and all of a sudden there's like 10 different dishes yep those values that mm-hmm. that uh mindset that uh approach i wonder if that's almost no, don't ask any questions yeah everybody gets their clothes no matter what time of day or night it is Whatever the problem is for someone that needs help, yeah. Did you guys get that with births too? <laughs> Did people bring you food when your babies were born? Uh, oh, sure. You know what? What sticks in my mind is when Eden had her accident and had to have a skin graft. My child was severely injured when she was like one, or even just a little younger, mm-hmm. and that was tremendously stressful. She's fine now. She's beautiful. But she's got a pretty substantial scar from a skin graft, not a small one, on one of her shoulders that runs down one side of her back as well. Oh, yeah, it was just an accident, a kitchen accident, where tea was being made in a microwave. Oh, F. And the cup was hot, and it got spilled, and Ooh. and the contents of the of the cup ran down her back and shoulder. And That's a nightmare. And Oh, my God. And our friends at the time showed up with food and and it was definitely it felt like a continuation of mm-hmm. you know there was some continuity between the relationships that I'd made outside of that little farm community and hmm. it's not like those ethics don't exist in suburbia anywhere or in in modern life i guess it's just a it's it's a degree to which which these things happen and uh part of uh, one thing that i wanted to say quickly is not just privacy versus connectedness but like how do people fall through the cracks mm. how much attention are do you need do you get at and, and what are the critical times that you need attention and you know i saw i think it's it's harder to quote unquote fall through the cracks in a smaller community because you don't have to the 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 community's attention isn't diluted over thousands of people you know it's just every you know it's like having a smaller classroom when people talk about the quality of education mm-hmm. or the difference mm-hmm. between True. the teacher to student ratio the kind of mentorship that you get not just from your parents but from adults being around and having eyes on you and the and the parents talking to each other now that can be stifling and it can feel like jesus get up out of my business (laughs) but but there's also a a network of concern that 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 touches everyone to some degree and is is kind of a 
a loving support and a degree of attention that doesn't exist in a larger place. But last point is part of 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 what fueled my desire and many people's desire to get the fuck out at that at that age of 17 or 18 or whatever is that when you grow up in a small place you don't know i mean you have television you have radio you have some things that indicate a greater larger world outside of where you live but for the most part your town is your entire existence your entire world that is for the, the time world. being anyway yeah till you're ready yep that is that is everything you can imagine for the most part but once you get a little taste for and and I mean this sort of speaks to what this is this is a larger leap and and I'm, I'm sorry beforehand to make it but this idea, We got you buddy. We got you. Okay, hang hang with me here guys. <laughs> I'm here. I'm going to catch you on the other side. Okay. okay. Come on. As it relates to capitalism and the good and the bad of capitalism, right? Like we're talking about the small town model as more of a socialist sort of we're we're mm. we're aimed at the common mm. good and we're looking out for each other in a in a way because you know the resources I'll are, accept that. Okay. The the resources are more concentrated and it it's it doesn't really have to come down to I need mine so you can't have any. Mm. Um but in a capitalistic environment and in a larger environment where you have these competing interests like it it can drive that level of competition can can drive people to heights and excellence and and be, and and not to mention just having a larger pool of talented people you know what we were missing out on and what i realized eventually i was missing out on and to make this all of this abstract shit that I'm talking around a little more concrete, when I, I went to a marriage at some point in Nashville, pretty good sized town, a lot of talent around that town, as you know, musical and otherwise. And when you were a kid, two years ago? No, you know, it was it was when I was an adult. Hmm. Um, and I'd had a little time to reflect on it, but for some reason this really hit home as it relates to the religious tradition. I'd, I'd already started developing this theory that, you know, like religion is theater, essentially. And there's a performance that's happening. And part of the reason, at least, that we fell away from the faith is because it was so fucking boring. <laughs> It was a really lame production that just got repeated over and over yeah. without any variety. Talk about mailing it in. Oh my god. <laughs> and and Father Raleigh, St. Thomas Church, Palatine, Illinois. <laughs> yeah, but but it it's theater. And at this wedding, the pastor was so fucking in Nashville, where it's a larger audience and you're competing for a congregation and you know, mm. and you have a choice when you're bringing people in. You're not just, you don't just have to accept whatever fucking schlub is willing to go to the farm town and serve out his sentence there. Yeah, we got some or, of that at our church for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah. we never thought, this is going back to the point that I made, I never thought of my town as like a, 
Okay, Jesus, I guess I'll take that post out in the middle of fucking ah. nowhere. Yeah, it was your whole world. It was, it, this was my whole, this was the main event. <laughs> this guy was playing Madison Square Garden before I knew what Madison Square Garden was. And then you realize, oh, there's tears to all of this. And hearing that pastor in Nashville give a fucking electrifying, provocative, you know, just great sermon during this during this wedding after i'd become really cynical about church too i realized oh it, it helped sort of cement in my mind that um first of all um religion doesn't have to be as lame as it was in the way that i was raised the in in the tradition in which i was raised and and part of why we wanted to get out was because, you know, when you get a taste of of a really good show, you don't want to go back and watch the boring one. Mm-hmm. You know, once you taste the great chef's food, then the diner back home that was so reliable and like, eh. Yeah, like if if church was the place where you go and you really let loose and you sing and you jam and you... Get, Let it all it's go. Joyful, yeah, that's different than the church I grew up in. Have you seen and the Lady Killers? Not to take it into the wall, but the Lady Killers. No, Coen Brothers, Tom Hanks. Is it good? It's been a while, but yeah, it's spectacular. And a big part of it is the down home church that's in it. Because while the caper is in progress, out in daylight, uh-huh. the community is at church, and it's the most rocking fucking oh. gospel scene you'll ever see. I'd probably still believe and if I had a church like that growing yeah. up. I might too. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. I'm what's c- on your mind over there? What are you thinking right now? I was thinking about what your mom said. I'm wondering if she's right, because I tend to think yes. I mean, I tend to think. Okay, I do think. Oh, if you think about nature. Okay, so one time there was an opossum in our yard that was just, it looked drunk and it was stumbling and it Rabid. had, it had like a scratch on its face. Did and it murder its family? <laughs> probably just came from murdering its family. And it that just, neighborhood, you know. It's, it, <laughs> right. It was, it was just clearly not in its right mind. And it happens we're mammals you know what i mean sometimes there's a glitch in the system and sometimes Mm. that's just what happens interesting other times i think it is a direct result it didn't turn you against possums in general i don't like possums (laughs) they're super creepy looking no i hate possums of course doesn't everyone i mean hairless tail Sorry to all our possum indifferent, listeners. <laughs> well, uh, indifferent. <laughs> if we pulled up a picture, never, you'd be like, ah! I, I've never heard of an indifferent. Pretty indifferent. Ah. Interesting. I'll okay, bet you'd well, feel differently if you were confronted with one. Anyways, uh, I'll I take think... a possum over a skunk anytime. Well, sure. Oh, Fair skunks enough. Skunks are cute, though. Very cute. Furry. Um, you can have them. I think sometimes it's a glitch in the system. Mm. And I think other times it's... Reflective of a deeper problem. Something happened... That wasn't healed, mm. you know, just some gap that needed to be there and wasn't. 
And whether he wasn't seen or whether he was abused and nobody listened or maybe he didn't have the right assistance or who, I don't know this guy's story, Mm. you know, I think it can happen either way. I'm, I made a number of notes here. All right. And this one's going to go way back, but I was curious about if this has been on the news. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll do a little Googling. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like sports quite a bit. I don't think I'll probably make time for this, but it's, it's dark, too. Uh, I mean, it's not enjoyable news, reading. Uh, like the Parkland incident, like the DeForest incident, the news loves to do that thing where, if this could happen here, it could happen anywhere. Mm. They love that. They live for that. That is the headline. That is the tagline that they beg for every day to, mm-hmm. end, a, to end a newscast so that you'll tune into the next one. Mm. Uh the idea that idea mm-hmm. um, and I just don't buy it hmm. like what happened in DeForest was that's a one of one right ah, there. okay that's not going to happen two streets over next week that's right that's a well like floods uh, that's like a hundred year when's the last time there was a grizzly murder in DeForest never never okay that's a 500 year flood yeah uh, so that just occurred to me uh, Except for suicide, like an hour ago, suicide spread. I've I've heard if yeah? there's news reports of suicide, then the suicide rate goes up. Uh huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But that's different than murder. I've uh, I guess all the way back to the beginning, as I sat here with my mouth hanging open, as you described, like how this case is unfolding. Mm-hmm. Um, I've. For some years now, I have had this recurring dream every so often that I have murdered someone. What? Yikes. Yeah. I first had it. I must have been... Do you know who you're killing in these dreams? Yeah. And Have you ever killed me? I'm almost afraid to say it <laughs> because, like, what if I did? You are not going to kill anybody. You're not. I, I, and you're not a killer. I'm not going to say who it was. I'm keeping that to myself. Wow, it's but we know this person? person. Yeah. And I had this, what I'm saying is, I had this <laughs> okay. dream at least. It's you, Chris. At least <laughs> oh, 20 shit. years ago. Oh, okay. okay. I, I think least, we're both safe. No, no. Woo. Yeah, you're safe. I'm safe. I, fr- I had it for the first time at least 20 years ago, and I am haunted by it every so often. Hmm. And I, you know, the, the, uh, what he's uh, uh, not sentient dreaming, but like when you know you're dreaming, uh, lucid, lucid dreaming. Yeah, I can like feel it, and it's it's not like once a week or something. It's real sporadic. Okay, but it comes back. I'm gonna do a dream interpretation for you. What does this person represent to you? Um, without saying who it is, can you hit pause? We were just getting into dream analysis, and you were speaking with a certain level of authority on this, like it's a reliable or dependable. Well, it could sort be an interesting insight. Could be is the is the operative term there, though, because mm-hmm. as mysterious as the subconscious is, we don't really know why we're presented with the images and scenes that scroll through our mind when we're unconscious. Not always, but I think for dream interpretation, half of the battle is looking at symbolically what it could represent. 
So most people are pretty literal when they look at their dreams. Hmm. They're like, oh, a bear attacked me. He's alive. Awesome. Great. A bear attacked me. I'm afraid of bears. But then, like in the spiritual realm, you might say, what does bear represent to you? Bears are extremely protective of their cubs. So to me, bear represents motherhood. Oh, so it's sort of like looking at symbolism, looking at archetypes, looking at what, how the subconscious can like interpret different things. It kind of relates back to like hero's journey stuff where it's like there's archetypes, there's patterns, there's symbols, there's a, um, there's a pathway sometimes that our subconscious takes in arriving at conclusions that our conscious mind doesn't always like seep into that reptile brain. So I'm not saying I, I research dreams or that I, it's just I've. You use it as like a guiding principle. Kind of. Guiding principles and in interpreting my own dreams where I have this recurring dream of tornadoes. I know tornado dreams are really disturbing for me and they show up almost always when I'm in a time of extreme change or extreme mm. transformation. Sometimes and when it you're feels falling, real. flying, tumbling in turmoil, you say, whoa. And that makes almost like too much sense. That's like. Almost it's a tornado, direct. right? Just it's like pretty obvious, but there's other times where it's it's more big... mysterious. And yeah. the people that I've talked to that do that kind of dream interpretation, they're always their first question is, "What does it mean to you?" If you have, dream about a hawk, what do hawks mean to you? What do they represent? There's other people that think that every single aspect in your dream represents some aspect of you and your personality. Yeah, but I also nothing think you outside could, of you. You could drive yourself crazy trying to interpret something that might not mean anything. True. I mean, it's, it's really possible that the act, I think that the activity that happens while we're sleeping is just sort of, you know, random misfires of sort of, you know, not really coherent or controlled or focused, you know, cognitive activity. I wish I and knew more about it. But sometimes people. That's my sense of it, though, because I don't know that you really have anything to learn. For instance, Dan. You're saying just like letting off a valve. It's just like all the. Yeah, it's the way your anxiety manifests itself, maybe. I'm going to totally disagree, though. I think if you have a recurring dream. You don't don't need to make amends with this guy. You don't. There's nothing about this that, you know, you need to investigate necessarily to resolve. It's just... It's puzzling as hell. I think if you have a recurring dream that's disruptive, it's worth investigating what the symbolism is. I feel... The reason I brought it up, maybe was to say... I know nothing either about dreams. Never researched, never done any studies on it. As a very lucky individual with a hell of a great life and all that, you know, just the dream that I've done that is so horrifying. You, you and so jarring. I think I, I cut that part out. So you dreamt that you did something heinous to someone. Yeah, I, I have yeah. this this dream that. Yeah. First time I had it was probably twenty five years ago, and then every so often it'll kind of re haunt me, and uh, mm. just just the dream, I'm traumatized by. Wow. So I can't imagine when a when when somebody gets to this level and murders their parents and traumatized and, uh, by allegedly. And it does make uh, you wonder about war and uh, mm. people that are hired to kill and that's their job. 
Mm. The government asked how do them you, to do it. How do you do that? How do you do it and then be okay afterwards? And yeah. be expected to be okay going in knowing that's what you're going right. to do. And then be okay afterwards knowing that's what you did. And Oof. regardless of whether you know... I mean, obviously, it's different if it's your parents. But in you know a what? sense, it's human life. You know what? This... I could tie this back, I think, to the kind of relief that you were talking about. Tie it, baby. Tie it. <laughs> Here comes a tie. I'm going to attempt. It might just be a tangled mess of nonsense at the end. But when you were talking about the subservient woman role and how, all right, well, on some level, that's comforting. There's not as much stress when you don't have to make as many decisions and and that kind of thing and and that relates to the military assignment Ah. in that you may be asked to do something terrible Mm -hmm. on occasion but you're surrounded by a structure and 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 a clear set of orders that guide you through your every waking moment and you only know what you know interesting and And the accountability doesn't rest with you it's that's the great it, thing too. it wasn't else. your de- yeah it wasn't mm-hmm. your decision not it's your not call. up to you who we're at war with or that's the wife thing of like whatever you say honey whatever you think is best that kind of thing that used to fly and now in modern y- you can't you have to be accountable you have to be because mm-hmm. women are expected to pull their own weight Financially, as well as like taking care of what's going on at home. Mm. And that was a profound shift in Vietnam, I think, where there was a time when, you know, if the government implemented a draft, there was still enough trust between the public and the authorities to say, all right, well, whatever's happening must warrant these. For America. Well, but I mean, there was a time when. As Norm Macdonald likes to joke, you know, when Germany went to war, they chose as their adversary of the world. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> right. Norm Macdonald. I haven't heard his name in a long time. Uh, and there was a there was a challenge to our way of life, and you know that. And, and there that, was at that time there was a religious belief in America. There was America's yeah. mandate and role was believed in to that extent like right and by vietnam like you're saying we had lost a lot of faith from the 40s to the all of a sudden it became a little harder to just accept your orders Mm -hmm. when you weren't it wasn't clear Mm -hmm. you know that that it was a righteous cause you know ah yeah Mm -hmm. and 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 that's maybe this might sound like a stretch, but happening in marriage a little bit, with like now wait a minute is is it a sacred mm. institution or is it just boy all the way back an mm. ag- an agreement that mm. we made with each other and now you're not living up to your end so see you later mm. you know you can't do that still in the military but there were defectors there were people in our parents generation that said you know what I know I'm expected to do this but can't i'm going to canada Hmm. or you know i had to make choices to you know care for them themselves and their and and preserve their own dignity and integrity 
and not have and not necessarily take the easier conventional sort of well i need the approval of my community and uncle sam or whatever to validate me as mm-hmm. a you know a responsible productive member of society or how does that translate into what you guys were talking about with the communities you grew up in where you're like uh same decision in terms of do i invest into what's already there that i'm being told is valuable that i've grown up around and mm. authority is saying you know this is important family farm or whatever it is mm. versus mm-hmm. choosing something different why it, it to me it's sort of like why are people leaving these rural places if the, well, the values level, are so rich on some level i was an artist always an artist and trying to convince people who do such practical stuff uh-huh of the value or legitimacy of wanting to you know right it's like it's the billy elliott story to a degree you know like that kid oh, needed to dance mm-hmm. and his dad was just you know, blue collar. Did you see Billy Elliot? I'm nodding like I know what you're talking about. Billy Elliot. It's a movie from like the 80s. So 90s good. maybe. But it's a beautiful movie and it, it just, long story kind of short, I was sketching it out for you. You know, blue collar, mm-hmm. community, factory guys. So it, like when you danced at home and recited poetry and sang, <laughs> your dad yeah. was kind of like, Grab a shovel. So, uh, yeah, that's great. Now let's, uh, yeah, you've talked about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It wasn't exactly celebrated. Well, and even if it was, it was never, you, you never would have imagined that, you know, it was, that was a professional option. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and even still today, a lot of people with those kind of aspirations get to talk about like, well. Good luck with that theater degree. But what are you going to do to make money? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. How are you going to live? Right. So you got to want it bad enough, though, and all that. Well, right. But I think now now I'm taking this conversation into a, a, a slightly different direction, which is just part of what probably pushed me away from that community was Mm. that when you're an artist, God, this sounds pretentious, (laughs) but. (laughs) <laughs> but part of what you're, what what makes the whole pursuit intriguing is like, what's unique about me, what's unique about my perspective, or like what makes my melodic sensibility or or ability to to write melody distinct or different from this person or that person, and it's you know you can't achieve that you can't find your voice by doing what you're told. Hmm. and 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 follow following the prescribed sort of you know taking conventional paths and things like that so, but but the, unfortunately there's not a lot of people around you in a community like the ones that we were raised in to say you know what the advice that i give most people doesn't really apply to you dude mm-hmm. what you should do is probably you know, yeah, get the fuck out of here and and find your own path and, and understand that it's going to be unconventional Yeah, and lonely. You're not going to raise hogs, dude. 
Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, but but you will find other like-minded weirdos, you know, yeah. and people who, people who value who you are and what you do and 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 that will that will be as important to them as being a hard-working, you know, hog producer is where you are here. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to find them here. And that was sort of a I'm still on that path to a degree where you know, I, I I have some of my people, but you know, I'm not understood everywhere I go, and and self acceptance. Yeah, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> Fair. Fair. I have a literary connection to make. Mm-hmm. We're probably getting to the editing. This is the editing point, probably right here. We have so many editing. You points. guys are. Yeah, you uh, got your work cut out for you on this episode, but <laughs> you mean, guys at least are, we're potting, right? You're big. Oh my god! You're big readers. Very literate. This yeah. group. Yeah. Very literate. Eh. Probably talked about it before. Mm-hmm. In high school, was assigned a novel in American Lit and Comp. To Kill a Mockingbird. In Mr. Seacosh's class. Grapes C-Cosh. of Wrath. You can name books all night long and you'll never get it. Uh, the Red Badge of Courage. <laughs> right. Different class. Johnny Tremaine. That was middle school. The Outsiders. Is, we got Johnny Tremaine in grade school. <laughs> oh, we no. watched the movie. We watched the movie. <laughs> yeah. Sons Lord of, of Liberty. Lord of the Flies. <gasps> okay. Oh, good one. Good one. American Lytton Comp. What is Mr. it? Mr. Seacosh. We were assigned a book by Sherwood Anderson called Winesburg, Ohio. No idea. This is a... This is a solving everything reading list recommendation, <laughs> like an Oprah. Our book club starts today. But more important, <laughs> uh, a book that I I barely read, if at all, and flunked like every quiz on and whatever, because it was just, uh, what's the word, when you just don't get, it, impenetrable. Oh. It, yeah. To my 11th grade mind, mm-hmm. in a fucking English class with my buddies, like I was not, I did not, ha- I was not equipped. Mm-hmm. At that time, I sat out on the stoop and read it though, like a year ago or so. Wow! And it's pretty short. Why the stoop? Because that's uh, quiet place oh. in your house. <laughs> I'm all about rituals, but yeah, I oh. I like to sit outside on Saturday and Sunday mornings and get a little sun. I thought you did Sudoku. Uh, Chris, we're, I'm not going to be held down by. <laughs> Continue, please. Well, I like to just, I like to sit in the sun and read. On weekend mornings, and uh, I read this book. I came, I I found it in my stuff, and I read it, and it's spectacular. Wow! And it is exactly the themes that we're talking about here. Winesburg, Ohio, is a small town in Ohio, uh-huh. and it is a series of of probably a dozen chapters but each chapter is about a different person in the town Mm -hmm. and sometimes they intersect so sometimes you meet someone in a story from another one Mm -hmm. a lot of times you don't but you're in the and it addresses all of and to jump right to the uh point is that to read that as a 47 year old guy was so uh gratifying to pick something back up that i didn't understand when i was a junior uh, and to read it now and get it entirely and then go, if only I'd understood then the the reason he was assigning this and the themes that uh, it addresses. Interesting. And it's all of these themes of P 
people trapped in a small town. Hmm. And some of the stories are about like the good looking guy who gets the pretty girl. Mm -hmm. And some of the stories are about the weirdo that knows he's never going to get any girl. But it's 18. uh, It's 1881. Mm -hmm. Where the fuck am I going to go? Like, this is it for me. I'm I'm destined. I know my I'm 22 years old and I already know what the rest of my life looks like. And it ain't good. Hmm. And people snap and people. uh, The the entire range of a little community, a little self-contained community. uh, It's just a it's all those themes we were talking about, all that. uh, that angst you feel of everybody constantly knowing about you. And your all that. brilliant teacher knew it, gave you this book, and yep. you weren't there yet. Yep, but I, <laughs> hey, Mr. Seacash, I salute you. I am saluting into the microphone. <laughs> to read it as an adult was uh, was fantastic, and it, 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 it uh, very enriching, very mm. gratifying. And I could relate, you know, and it, to a certain extent. Uh, and what a what a masterpiece to be written then that a guy was looking at it that way. Like here he's, he's breaking the veneer of that and like mm. kickstarting, getting the fuck out of Dodge. There's gotta be a better way. You can't just be born and die in the town. You, especially if you don't fit in, uh, May, it's amazing, amazing book. Okay. Now let's, let's segue if we might in we've, we've given, we've given our listeners, Something on the reading list. Here's their listening list tip, which I think speaks to or can be related to what we're talking about. The artist's name is Moondog. Uh, ever heard of him? Mm, I'm searching. I'm searching my card catalog in my brain. If it wouldn't have been, this is the love-hate that I have with streaming services, I guess. I know the arguments against streaming musical services and artists are getting fucked and... You know, we get nostalgic about our mixtapes and things like that. But And algorithms can be creepy. But they can also be glorious in that to have an artificial intelligence putting playlists together for you and suggesting things that you might not otherwise be exposed to, I'm glad. Big brother. Well, I'm, great. <laughs> I, 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 I'm grateful sometimes because Moondog showed up on one of these lists. And it was kind of unlike anything I'd ever heard before. And it got me curious enough about the the person who made it. You know how good art does that? Like, you read a great book and you're like, who the fuck was John Steinbeck? Like, what kind of... What's Moondog? What kind, well, so Moondog was... His story was uh, born in Kansas in the late 1800s, let's say. This is a person? Person. Okay. Person. And... Family moves to like Montana or Wyoming or out west when he's young still. And when he's around 16, he's playing with explosives. He doesn't know it, but he picks up a TNT cap of some kind. Mm -hmm. And it explodes and blinds him permanently. Mm. At what age? 16. Ooh. Yeah. And Mm. after that, he sort of goes through different institutions that exist at that time, one of them in Iowa, that he, where he learns Braille and has an opportunity to, you know, um, develop musical, his, 
he studies some music, but then he's also just brilliant and Cervantian self-taught. And ultimately, he ends up in New York City, where he's fascinated with Norse mythology, and he dresses like a Viking. He has the big, bushy white beard. Time period. The horn cap. We're talking 1940s. At this and this point, is not a 30s, novel. 40s. This is a story of a man. This is a guy, an actual artist. Thank you. Okay, and uh, he'll spend hours sometimes just out on this corner holding a spear, standing blind in Manhattan, on the corner of Manhattan, selling some poetry that he's written perhaps, but just living the life of... I mean, if that's not the pro- profile of an artist who is just fucking doing his thing. You know what I mean? Right. There is no reward. It's he wants he he's he's so fixated and fascinated with Viking mythology, he dresses the part. And but but he's also composing and he is talented enough. And Moondog is such a catchy handle. I mean you gotta give it to him. That's that's a solid name. Uh and it, there's Native American stuff related to this which i won't get into now i don't want to be too nerdy but anyway alan freed the disc jockey from back there in new york city yeah i mean this is back when radio personalities had held a lot of sway and you know were were big deals he steals moondog's name and and calls himself you know Alan Moondog Freed or whatever, and, and, and uses, I think, even a sample of Moondog's composition oh. on his radio program. Moondog's not getting compensated, takes him to court. Uh, fuck that guy? Y- uh. Yeah, right, 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 I suppose. I'd have to read back up to get the whole story on it, but what was heartening and what was kind of amazing about this guy is that big-name band leaders like Benny Goodman of the era who just because they were, you know, in every musical circle, knew about him and had heard his stuff. And as unconventional and kind of out there as it was, they recognized he's for real as a composer and like an artist. Wow. And and showed up in court. And and he won the case against Alan Freed, guy's name back. <laughs> oh my God. And 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 was able to make these recordings that are you know they're singular it's it's hard to it's hard to describe what they what they are and you hear them on and i hear them on spotify just and you because hear... the, the algorithm is you know pulling from everything else that i've listened to and 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 just knowing on some level and not to like, torture the listener but completely but you read the book you heard the book no 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 you i just heard the story but you've heard the music I, the music came first okay okay and then when you know as it is when i hear music that's really compelling or see a show that's really well written then you start going through the the down the rabbit hole right like who wrote this who did this who was this guy that sound familiar you're playing moondog now it's a mix of jazz classical Native American. I know this. Fuck song. yeah. You've heard it before. It's been in a commercial. Feels I, like. I for sure have heard this. This has to be just like the first hit, right? Like It's like top. Top yeah. choice? Yeah. Is it called Bird's Lament? Yeah. 
Mm. Is he playing these instruments? That's pretty certain he is. Yeah, listener, you've heard that too. Uh, I don't know. That feels I've like heard it's it. been a commercial. It feels like it's been a theme of a movie. It feels like it's been. That's yeah, yeah, for sure. That's mm. in the lexicon. Wow, I'll be goddamned. Spot me while I play as a fly enthusiasm aimed at your indifferent scandal flow for one tap into a bobbin hand. There's a signal coming back on the same man for freaking frequency wavelength. How's the reception connection? Don't flip the dial, that's your performance. It's commercial free. It's commercial free. Only thing for sale up here is me and my CD. You're free to catch up on all times at the top of your lungs. Got a mic and I can turn it up, but I can't turn you down. Got a mic, what I need's a new remote, I'm on and click. Point click, flip around for a little more appreciation oh, from the crowd participation. Would it be too much entirely to expect a little respect? Would it be too much entirely? What if what the say is true? Less is more. More is what I'm 